This pleasant introduction reminds me of some of the things I've been up to over the vanished years. I heard uh, recently someone say that nostalgia is a wonderful thing, but what good is it if you can't remember anything? <laughs> well, we have many happy memories, and some of them relate to these folks sitting behind me for whom I have the highest and most sincere regard. It also, these kind words, uh, reaffirms the feeling that I had when I gave an answer to a bubbly young woman who detached herself from a handsome boyfriend at the entrance of the Salt Lake Temple and walked over to shake my hand. Didn't you used to be Elder Hanks, she said. <laughs> I said, yes, I used to be, still am, and hope to be in the future, Elder Hanks. And I have remembered another time when I came here as a substitute for a general authority who got ill at the last moment, and I, I stood as a, kind of a fake. Uh, others had come expecting more. And I recalled uh, Dr. Hashimoto, a, a wonderfully revered and respected professor of medicine at the University of Utah, the day after Pearl Harbor when he faced his class. Now, he was as authentic an American as ever lived, but he had ethnic roots. <laughs> Hashimoto would help. He stood before his group for quite a time and then quietly said, don't blame me, I'm Irish. <laughs> uh, well, this uh, young lady's question, while it did, in fact, humor me, indicated that, uh, like many others, she probably doesn't really understand what a general authority emeritus is. She, however, is a step ahead of another bright young person who had confronted me after a wedding I'd performed, looked up into my face intently and said, who are you? <laughs> and that made me realize that whatever may be in the minds of good people, it is inevitably as it was in ancient times when another pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph, and where generations now exist and will who have no idea who used to sit up in those red chairs. And that, of course, is of little concern. Um, as to what an emeritus is, I don't really know either. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, but as one who started obviously very young. If I have all those years in, I must not have been more than 12 or 15. <laughs> um, some things have happened in this change of status. It has not yet meant quick eradication or annihilation, but it has offered some relief from baskets full of meetings and travel so consistent and relentless that it became less than looked forward to. Postponed dreams of family associations and participation on days like Mother's Day, which I missed almost consistently through my whole service. 
These postponed dreams have been revivified and realized. We still, we do still travel, as you have captured from some of the things said to various parts of the world occasionally in humanitarian projects which have brought us a great joy and satisfaction. In the Pacific Islands just a few weeks ago, Maxine and I listened to the chatter of minor birds in their incessant two-syllable or four-syllable two-word message. They speak it constantly with no variation in melody. At first, when I heard them beep, 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 I thought they were saying and said to my wife that America's enterprising commercial entity has reached clear across the world and what they're saying is pizza, 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 pizza. <laughs> she said, no, no, they're farther ahead than that. They have the political message of the current time. They're saying veto, 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 veto. <laughs> Well, I'm uh, very grateful for this visit with this student body. A lot of our happiest memories occurred with relationship to this institution, which neither, neither of us was privileged to attend in pre-World War II and post-World War II times. But all of our five children have attended this great school, and all but one of the choice people they're married to. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> We did serve on the governing board here for years and had a committee assignment which permitted us some close association regularly in that time. Our grandchildren uh, will likely have a little different diversity, being from other places and parts, some of them, but I'm sure most or all would like to be here. Peter's sister Christy just departed BYU for a mission in Barcelona, and their cousin Kara also a student here is now in the Missionary Training Center preparing to go to the Philippines. And their little brother left for South America just a couple of weeks ago. And to finish it, to care of sister, Lissa is now a student at BYU Hawaii, which is good for her mother who was born in that beautiful place and grew up there until World War II brought her into my focus, which was the end of Hawaii for her temporarily. I should quickly mention we didn't enter into a precipitate courtship. Indeed, it took us five years, and there were those who felt I was a dull boy, and they were right. <laughs> but it has been a lovely half century almost since, and we are pleased. I want to mention a few things of here in this moment about the 50,000 missionaries and the students and non-students who have the capacity and I pray will have the will and the courage and the faith and the intelligence to change the course of this country and the societies in which they live across the earth. Uh, things happen. I never could imagine, for instance, personally never could imagine, living long enough to see, for instance, the breakdown of the Berlin Wall and the communist monolith behind it. We were through that wall a lot of times, many times, and were there as it was being dismantled. I would not have hoped ever to see an alliance for peace between the United States and 
Russia. Or the unification of West and East Germany. We, uh, we had adventures there that were amazing. But it's all happened, and maybe even more incredibly, in a sense, the developments in South Africa, which did not seem likely in our time. And you, bright as you are, and I hope uh, consistent in your attention to current affairs, will be thinking and praying and uh, learning about major developments in the Middle East and the fragile balance there, which hour by hour seems in jeopardy. We pray that that may be resolved in the way God wants it resolved. There have been major developments in the Church also. I thought I might just quickly mention one or two of them. In 1976, 20 years ago, and I'll confine these developments to that brief period, the first Quorum of the Seventy was organized, having not been in existence in any effective way since the martyrdom of the Prophet Joseph. Now there are no more Seventies in wards and stakes, but there are two strong quorums of Seventy at Church headquarters who, made you suppl who supply major support across the earth. The building of temples world, worldwide had significant impetus in the same period, and so is the expansion of Church education in the colleges and the seminaries and institutes. A new view of financing has been adopted, which most of you would not recognize as a major change, but we do, who are privileged to build buildings by assignment of uh, budget numbers. Even while we were on a mission, they didn't forget us. Now a different approach is made, and a lot of very important effort in Christian service has been induced. So that one day, if God wills it and we are willing, there may in fact be a reunion of the Savior with those who follow him and are able to hear him say, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, my sisters, my little children, you've done it unto me. We say that periodically. We love it at Christmas. We ought to believe it every day. And we ought to understand the significance of that magnificent moment when he, <coughs> concluding a magnificent ministry, gave the three parables that ended with that one when there were goats on one hand and sheep on the other, and the distinction had to do with the way they had behaved toward their fellow men. And I am deeply impressed and offer it to you as a testimony and witness that while there are no mentions in that beautiful parable in Matthew 25 of sinfulness of the kind all of us are acquainted with, every sin noted has to do with sins of omission. And so, in fact, does a major part of the scripture. So it is good that we have changes in the church. Periodically we hear that uh, this is not permitted or likely, and the fact is I've just mentioned a few. Change goes on regularly as the inspiration and revelation of the Almighty directs it. So you need not worry about that. You may not understand it all or have the roots, the institutional memory, to know out of what it came. But it 
happens, and I have watched it long enough to have great confidence in the process and the product of the revelation and inspiration available to those who preside in the Church. So I want to mention my appreciation for this school, which I think will produce, as it has, people of such quality that uh, were we not confident in your generation, uh, would have made us nervous indeed. And speaking of nervousness, I was thinking as I put these notes together of our only son, who, when he was being ordained a deacon, stood with the bishop by invitation, and I, by special arrangement, was there, rarely able to be all his life or those of his sisters at good moments. Uh, he stood up there and was uh, authorized by the vote of the congregation to be hotel, the Aaronic priest, and become a deacon. His sisters asked him after at home at lunch uh, if he was nervous standing up there, and he said, well, yes, he was standing alone by the bishop until he looked down, saw the voters, and noticed that Dad's hand was higher than all the rest. And that, in fact, is true. I held it as high as I could hoist it, because that's how I felt about him and his sisters and their generation, and now about another generation. We've almost reached that point in the life of that young man who lives in the East and has important responsibilities. So it is important that you have some sense how high the hands are raised in your behalf. Some of you may be disquieted by this regulation or that, but you should be reassured by, uh, if you could hear it, the consistent support given you and your leaders and your staff and faculty by those who provide the authenticity and support of this institution. So I thank you for what you are and I hope and pray and believe will be. I need to thank you for something else in which you had no part and for which you really aren't responsible. The invitation to spend these few minutes here set me off a few weeks ago in a program of search and ponder. I thought of that, Ray, when I thought of where we've been. A little different phrase, search and kill, was what they were using in Vietnam. But I've been searching and pondering in the scriptures, and it's been a blessing and a delight. I've spent concentrated hours, which are not really typical of the schedule we've been trying to keep, that have brought wonderful and sweet feelings. No new or different or theologically innovative things, but just the warmth and the spirit that come with searching the scripture. Do you remember in the very first chapter of the Book of Mormon, after the words everybody can speak about Nephi's parentage, that there was a vision reported his father's, and he enjoyed it also, in which there came one from the heavenly sight and others, twelve, who were following him. And the one paused in front of Father Lehi and gave him a book and bade him read. And the record says, still in the very first verses of the Book of Mormon, that as he read, he was filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And I think that's the best way yet, that and on your knees and in the bosom of the family whom you love and whose lives are all tied up with your own. So 
I've surveyed some larger fields, and I could begin to cultivate here in the time available, even if I thought I could or desired it. Intuitions and inspirations have been revisited from memory. I've enjoyed enough exaltation of spirit to proclaim almost like little Dennis the Menace to his mother in a cartoon we read in Hawaii recently. Dennis looks up into her face and says, I've never had so much fun as I'm going to have tomorrow. <laughs> think on that. That's how I think. There also was a little cartoon by Bill Keene that I love to read. They're just the little one panel fellas. And in it, a number of children are shown seated around a table. Looks like a party or maybe just a group of extended family of youngsters. And mother, the beautiful mother, approaches and says with food in her hand, my name is Mommy and I will be your waitress. Oh, most of you ought to be smart enough to think that's funnier than that. Uh, you hear this in a restaurant, maybe you can't afford to go <laughs> just now. I'm Josephine and I am your waitress. Oh, <laughs> well, I am mommy and I am your waitress is something that, uh, that hits dear. And I look back at something I hadn't recalled to this moment when little Dennis the Menace looks up into his mother's eyes with adoration and says, how did God know I wanted you to be my mother? Uh, you see where I get inspiration. Well, the scriptures have provided it this little while, and in the last weekend, before this very last one, we had a conference where a propitious culmination to my study season was enjoyed. I sat in conference listening and uh, approving and nodding my head and ready to raise my hand as high as I could get it if I had a chance, uh, because I know them and know them well, uh, as I know now the two of the men who sit on this stand in that predicament <laughs> and would raise my hand as high as I could get it for them. Each worshiper at the conference would extract personally satisfying and needed messages, but I got mine in three words. That took me back to a time when a young man whose beginnings in the church had not been auspicious or helpful and who said he knew nothing about the gospel but had been sent to me to help him Learn it. I asked him how he would like to go about that. Where would he like to start? He said, well, I don't know enough to know, so how about starting with the alphabet? I said, okay, we'll start with the A's. And in the conference this time, uh, those three A's which I talked to him about came immediately to the fore. Atonement without which uh, we could not have what we have of assurance, beyond hope, assurance. And we could not have the wonderful privilege of responding in agency, moral agency, which it is our, not only our privilege, but uh, inescapable responsibility to carry and respond to. God said he gave agency to his children in the garden. And two magnificent places, particularly of Scripture, in the second chapter of the book of Second Nephi and the 30th chapter of 
Deuteronomy, it is written that this agency and our response to it is of such immense consequence that we cannot imagine. It means either life or death, exaltation or damnation. So with that atoning blessing, there comes the responsibility that is sacred and serious and inescapable. And we may talk about it in academic circles and defend positions vigorously, whether or not it actually exists and how much of it is there when we live in a society of agents so-called and all of that. And everybody will leave the meeting and just go on out and continue to make choices. And so we will and so we must. So I'd like to talk for just a few minutes and obviously it would be just a maybe the outer skin about what President Hinckley said. In a compelling, tender way, he bore powerful testimony of our commitment as a church and people to the Savior, his atoning love, and noted the sorrow that comes with every death and the mitigation of the abject sorrow that comes with every death by the certainty of the resurrection of the Son of God that first Easter morning. The pain of death, he said, is swallowed up in the peace of eternal life. Of all the events of human history, none of, is of such consequence as this. Now, we know that's true individually and personally, and we thank God for the company, for the comfort and assurance that all the standard works give us about these sacred subjects. The third was accountability, because with the atonement, which in effect lays out the path, and the prescriptions and the safeguards and provides the guides is the agency which we often exercise by ourselves in the light or the dark in a classroom or a corporation boardroom. And we will not escape those relevancies, whatever we protest or how loudly we may squeal. We will, in fact, and are the subjects and blessed participants, if we choose, in the privileges and promises of the holy atonement of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and all that implied. And we will go on making choices, and we will regret some of them and repent of them and turn around knowing that only he among all who ever lived in this earth was sinless and that we all have need to know the processes by which we recoup what we could be and could have had we chosen more wisely. We have quoted over the years, I know here, a statement uh, someone asked me about recently and asked its origins. It says, he who picks up one end of a stick picks up the other. He who chooses the beginning of a road chooses the place it leads to. And that is inevitable, and that's frightening and sobering, and yet there is the magnificent assurance that the Holy One of Israel is the keeper of the gate, and he employeth no servant there, and he cannot be deceived, for the Lord God is his name. Oh, what comfort that brings me personally. Well, it is thus taught through the whole of the books, and over and over I've been reading about them. Again, not the 
problem that is raised, and there are problems. We've been putting some on the shelves for years and taking them down at a later time and looking at them with whatever increased capacity we may have or experience and love, and noted uh, with wonder that uh, this was a strange question. What was I worried about that for? Well, these three basics, atonement, agency, and accountability, the three A's, as my young friend said. Peter at Pentecost bore his testimony in these words. Being known, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man, the man whom they had raised at the gate beautiful, even this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Lehi taught his children the marvelous few verses recorded in 2 Nephi chapter 2 concerning the Savior, wherefore redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. And then this great missionary invitation, wherefore, how great the importance to make these things known unto the inhabitants of the earth, that they may know that there is no flesh that can dwell in the presence of God, save it be through the merits and the mercy and the grace of the Holy Messiah, who layeth down his life, and then it goes on to say, Taketh it up, wherefore he is the firstfruits unto God, as he shall make intercession for all the children of men. I need uh, to conclude in deference to your classes and all, but wish to call attention to just a couple of things that have happened just recently. Friday night, a dear friend who goes back to ball fields and courts in school toppled over at a dinner we were attending with a group we've met with for many years when we were living at home. Uh, he was unconscious and died. It was obvious. There are some physicians in the group, one of whom reached him immediately. And to my great, great respectful attention, quickly did what had to be done to save him from choking to death on the regurgitation that had come up and he wasn't able to handle. Uh, that did it, and before the 9-11 folks got there with their skills, uh, he was regaining consciousness. His first words were to ask for a blessing, and so those who love him and have for years uh, knew him as a tough competitor and a wonderful man, knelt around him, and the Lord was petitioned to bless him. The other was a telephone call from a wonderful man I met years ago. Some of the scriptures I've mentioned today were used in answer to some questions in a priesthood leadership meeting about the Savior, the keeper of the gate, and the record of his mercy and his love, mercy which overpowereth justice to the truly penitent, and to none else can it be. And then the arms of mercy encircle us around if we are truly penitent. There is such rhythm and majestic 
blessing in the fundamental principles of confidence in God and Christ, in the plan, in the program, in our own relationships, of repentance when we have used our agency unwisely, of commitment to ordinances and principles and laws, and of the interest in keeping ourselves fit to walk by the direction of the Spirit. The man who called me said something that I would like to finish with. He had been through tragedies, and he had apparently taken great comfort from these and some other scriptures which were that night pointed out of comfort. He said, We've been through a period of terrible problem, and some of our friends had. We've had a tragedy in our own home, and he spoke of not the horror of that, but of the love that had been showered upon his family over these years. That as difficult as their challenges had been, and I scribbled this as I listened for a moment, it was one of the sweetest periods of our lives. He spoke of amazing grace and said this. Maybe you will remember. To us, he said, there is more grace than works in the Atonement. And that, he said, is the most sacred and serious thing we know. So we pray that this renewed little experience I've had after years of reading those scriptures of an intense effort, simple, when I should have been getting ready for this meeting, <laughs> of putting together remarkable, cogent, comprehensive responses to the questions about our Father and His Son, about us and our lives, about the adversary, and about life's meaning and the promise of the future. That you will think once more, perhaps, I pray you will, of the vital importance of using agency wisely and of the inevitable experience we have ahead of answering of standing in judgment, says the Almighty, uh, to respond uh, to our choices. Thank God for the great promise of mercy that overcometh, overcometh justice if we are truly repentant. We love you and pray for you and thank God for you and hope we're around long enough to see some other changes in this world and the Church. Uh, that are brought about because of needs you discover and which you will help meet. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.